Good evening or good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're watching or listening to this. You're having a butcher's or a gander at Boxing's Bell to Bell, well, VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast, episode 136. You might be on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Thank you very much to wherever you're watching or listening. You know me, Steve Lillis. You know John Evans. Uh, Tonight's special guest, a good mate of mine I do a bit of work with, or for, shall I say. He's one of the busiest boys in boxing. Promoter, manager, trainer, matchmaker, and as we were talking about earlier, one of his many professional belts, and the one he loves most is his British Masters title. It's Carl Greaves. <laughs> How are you, Carlos? I'm good, Steve. Good, mate. How are you, mate? I think to speak yeah, to you so. the last week, more than I do anyone in my family, mate, so I can be a bit familiar <laughs> with you. I mean, I'll speak all... John, have you got anything you want to ask Carl before we crack on? Because I talk yeah, to him every you know day. What? Tell us about... Carl, tell us what's going on with Avanesian. Because I, I thought we were certain to make Avanesian and Michael McKinson on this Chris Billups yeah. Smith card. But it seems to have gone quiet. Has, has, it all, has it all gone quiet? You've not heard anything? No, it's not happening. It's not happening, unfortunately. Um, Neil Marsh has been working hard behind the scenes trying to get the fight on. We were told it was happening, and then he gets a, uh, a message last week to say that um, McKinson don't want it now until the summer. So, um, very disappointing now because we've been holding on for that fight, and then it's turned out now it's not happening. So, we don't know whether David's going to be out now before before Christmas, and uh, which is a big shame because there'll be a year then he's had inactivity, and at 35 years old, it's not good. I mean... The only good thing about it is David's always in shape. Is that he trains every day back home, and obviously comes to me for camps. But unfortunately, it's going to be a year since I've uh, since I've seen him now. And um, I mean, I know he got beat by Crawford, but looking back, he gave him he gave him probably one of his hardest fights he's had for a while. He was in the fight until obviously Crawford put his foot on the gas when he needed to, when he knew them gloves was coming off, and. Um, and got David out of there, but when you look at the performance David put up to what to what Spence did, then he's going to be a little bit avoided after that, which is a shame because we wanted to uh, build on the momentum after that fight, and he's just not been able to. Well, I, I, do you know after last week when John Pegg said that Sky had told him Sam Eggington wasn't exciting enough to be on TV? Yeah, unbelievable. That, yeah, I heard about that. I didn't see the podcast. Surprise me, Carl. I heard about that. That's, That's unbelievable. You telling me there, McKinson said he don't want to fight till summers. The next thing that surprised me, because I spoke to McKinson, I'd, I did all the phone calls between both the fighters, yeah. fighters teams, and he couldn't have been any more set on fighting before Christmas on this Billum Smith card, Avenesia. Yeah, no, he, McKinson's on the bill. McKinson's on the bill, but he's not fighting David. Um, I've got a little feeling it's because obviously there's a world title fight on it, it's only in a 3000 arena. Money. And obviously the budget might not be there for this sort of fight. I don't know, but it's um, it's a big shame because, as far as I'm aware, McKinson's always wanted it. You know what yeah. I mean? He um, he had a great fight with Ortiz, and obviously Dave had a great fight with uh, with Terence Crawford, and it's the it's the right fight for them both at this stage. You know what I mean? Because obviously there's probably nowhere to go for the loser, but the winner can build on it and um, and push on for for another world title shot. Right. Yeah, well, uh, someone, let's start, we will start with a podcast and maybe someone who was hoping to go for a world title shot eventually, but it's hit the buffers from big on Saturday night. It's a subject you want to talk about, Carl, and it's uh, Callum French losing to Jeff Afori. Yeah, massive, massive shot to me that. I mean, 
It just don't seem that Callum French can cut it as a pro. And uh, I'm very surprised because he's a lad that's done plenty of rounds with David Avenician. He's always looked good in sparring. He's always getting David Avenician a good spar. And I mean, something is going wrong with him. I don't know what it is, whether it's the weight or whether he's just not quite out to be a professional boxer. I don't know. But there's a there's a massive difference now between amateur and professional boxing. And uh on, on the, was it Saturday night? He just got manhandled in the end by Jeff Afori. And I mean, Jeff's an honest pro. He's a solid pro. He's a workhorse and he's been, been very unlucky. I mean, he should have got the decision against Archie Sharp. But Callum French, with his pedigree, should be handling the likes of Jeff Afori. And um, it was bashed up, wasn't he? I mean, it was a massive, massive shock to me when I saw his face at the end. I mean, round by round, Afori were getting to him and just bullying him. And it shouldn't be happening. So you've got to ask your questions, what's gone wrong with Callum French? Because he's a he's a world-class amateur. You know what I mean? And you've just got to ask yourself, what is wrong with the system now? Are they training them all wrong? I mean, there's a big difference now with amateur and professional boxing, the way they're training them, which is probably a subject we'll get onto in a bit. But, um, yeah, I was, I was surprised and I was shocked and... He was just bashed up at the end and his face was a mess and obviously the towel come in, which is the right decision, but he shouldn't be losing to the likes of Jeff Fafori, mate, with his amateur pedigree. So it just shows you the difference between amateur and professional boxing. Yeah, go on, John. Well, he didn't use his boxing skills, Carl, did he? No, he couldn't. He couldn't keep the fingers. You've got to be able to punch in the pro game. It's a man's game. Yeah. Professional boxing is a man's game. You can be raw and you can be... You know what I mean? It can be so raw and that, but if you've got that man strength and that will to win and that fight inside you and keep pushing on, a bit like a fourie, you're going to break the kid's heart. And if you've got no power to keep him off, which is what it looked like to me, then you're in trouble. You need a bit of power and strength behind you in the pro game. When you get into them six, seven, eight rounds, it's it's a tough old game. And, um, you know what I mean? These kids are good for free freeze and that, but it just looks to me like the system's all wrong now. And it's very worrying because, obviously, the way they're training the amateurs now, they're just not training them nowhere near like the old pro style should be. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll come on to that later on, I think. That's one of your next topic, Carl. So, yeah. um got an opinion on that myself as well, but there you go. Um, anyway, round two. Um, John, and you want to talk about in the small hall boxing leading the way? Well, this is a sim- similar topic. Um, I've spoken to a couple of people about this recently. Uh, look at the lads who are headlining shows at the moment. I'm, I'm not going to reel them all off, but just in recent memory, Jack Catterall came from the small holes, battled his way up, headlining. This weekend, this magnificent seven show, Zach Miller spent some time on Team GB. As far as I'm aware, he might be, I might be missing someone, but none of them had stellar amateur careers. Every fighter on that bill, the same. And it's just happening yeah. more and more now. The fighters who have done it the proper way, the fighters who have fought the way up and not had this Team GB background where they get trained in a certain way, they're the ones who are reaching the top now. They're the ones who are headlining shows. And it's such a big difference from the Olympians that came from 2012 who dominated British boxing for so long. Look at the last two batch of Olympic cycles. No one's headlining. No one's done it. Boatsy might be the most... Talented, but he was fighting Dan Aziz. Dan Aziz would have been the crowd favourite. Dan Aziz is the one who's done it the hard way. And 
I, I just see it, but there's been such a change in the people who are yeah. headlining shows, and I'm all for it. I'm glad that the people who've put the hard work in and have fought the way up are doing it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Definitely. And the one, one out of them, all them on Saturday, you, the finest example of someone coming from nowhere, and you must have been know the story, John, so I know you're pretty close to him, is Denzel Bentley. Yeah. Denzel Bentley was just fighting on Peacock shows, and he was going to go on, though, you know, those dinner sh- Frank Warren has a couple dinner shows the year, a year, and he was going to go on one of them. And um, the fight fell through on the Monday, on the Sunday night. So on the Monday morning, he went and sparred six rounds at the Peacock gym. Got a phone uh, call. And, yeah, and at one o'clock, got a phone call. Serge Ambomo would have the fight. And he'd sparred that morning. I think it was six or eight rounds. Martin would have to, his trainer would have to, would, so, would, Martin Bowers would know. He got the phone call to first sir, fight Serge Ambomo. Went and fought him at five hours' notice after sparring. He did a real number on Serge because he was a bit of a danger man then and got the deal with Frank Warren off the back of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's definitely too much emphasis on um, on these top amateurs getting the best deals and that. When when you look through the history now, and like you say, John, the lads that's headlining, look at Lee Wood. I mean, he was a good amateur, wasn't on oh. the GB or nothing like that. Sam Eggington was another one. I mean, the list is endless. You know what I mean? And um, it's very worrying, I think, for uh, for boxing because if these promoters are um, these big promoters are just giving these kids the, the main opportunities, these Olympians and on the GBs and all that, then they're just not going to cut it. And I think it's not good for for boxing. They need the promoter. One of these TV promoters needs to get a scout to a small old show. And look at the talent that's on these shows, you know what I mean, that's coming through and, and, and think, you know what, these are the kids we need to be signing. Well, yeah. they just need to look down who's who's headlining the shows at the moment and just think, like, you know, it doesn't take a genius to put two and two together, does it? You know, no. I, I don't know, but I, I think it's a good change because hopefully they might start casting the net a little bit wider. Yeah, definitely, um, yeah. Round three. Um, yeah, do you want to talk about the Saudi Arabia boxer? I know everyone's, you know, heard loads and loads about it, but just thinking, Saudi boxing's come along and made such an impact. It's turned the sport on its head. I mean, there's so much money. You're actually, you know, you've got a show going on there where it seems it's going to be announced any time this week, early next week, likely this week, I'm hearing, um, that... You're going to have a show in Saudi Arabia a couple of days before Christmas with Frank Warren boxers on it, Eddie Hearn boxers on it. It's just absolutely nuts. That's amazing. It? Absolutely, it absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it yeah. just shows what money can do. And you just wonder, it's turned, the, it's turned the sport at that level on its head, how much further this is going to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, you know, absolutely shocked that you've got... A, Anthony Joshua on a card that it looks like, I mean, I, I may be wrong here, it hasn't been announced. Apologies to Matru and anybody if I've called this wrong here. But it looks like it's going to be a Frank Warren-driven card. Obviously, there'll be some involvement from Eddie. I'm sure there will. Um, but it's just absolutely mad how it's all going. It's it's just turned the sport on its head. You know, more than what anything did with, you know, when Las Vegas casinos were pumping money, sight fees into fights. It, it, it's just absolutely... I'm... I'm Flabbergasted by it. What do you think, John and Carl? Look, well, I'll I'll ask you before Carl talks, is they must be paying them a lot of money to get Wilder to fight Parker and Joshua yeah. to fight Wally. Unbelievable. Because there's no way in the world they would have took that for five or six million quid. They could both lose. So you can imagine the money that's on that's being thrown around. 
Yeah, when I saw the names today on that bill, the proposed names, who was fighting each other, I just couldn't believe it. You know what, fair play. It's great that you see him working all together, but like you say, money talks, and um, he's definitely talking in this case because some of these, like you say, these kids won't be fighting for this sort of for, for, for peanuts. They'll be on big, big money, and um, it just shows you how the sport's changing again. I mean, two days before Christmas in Saudi Arabia, you know what I mean? you got a massive, massive bill, a massive card, and... The night of the heavyweights, unbelievable. That's a good luck. I mean, none of these Saudis knocked on your door, have they, to take your, your great cards from Leicester and Nottingham, Carl, have they, <laughs> to Saudi Arabia? It'll be nice. It'll be nice. It's what funny, the make... characters who are making a few quid, isn't it? Big Martin Bacoli suddenly getting paid an absolute oh, fortune Bacoli, yeah. to in Saudi. <laughs> You know what? I saw Bacoli quite an exhibition in Scotland a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago. Uh, opponent pulled out and he went and fought. Um, oh, was it who's the big heavy? Um, Nick Campbell in a in an exhibition. And in the exhibition, I remember announced his weight was about 18 and a half, 19 stone. Now, whether they were just fannying about, but that was lighter than what he weighed in his fight there when he backed the fella up in about four or five rounds. I've heard that he might be fighting a. Hergovic. Now, there's yeah. another, yeah. there's another fight. thing about That's a money. fight. Yeah, but why would Hergovic give his number one spot away to because fight Martin McCauley? Because of what you were getting paid astronomical. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go back, you know, and I remember, forget when I was on the newspapers, and I go back, I don't need to sound like I thought I'm a dinosaur anyway, but go back 30 years. I never forget when um, Don King won the pop. I was somewhere in press room somewhere. I don't know where it was. Might have been in London and Kathy Duva was there and her husband, the the, the late um, Dan Duva, was at the purse bids with Don King to bid for Lewis against Tucker. And oh. Lewis went on... Um, Don King won the purse bids with like a $12 million offer in like 1993. I'll never forget that day. We was all mellowed around all the journalists. We were saying, that's unbelievable. That's something that's never, ever going to happen again in boxing. <laughs> Twelve million dollar purse bid. At the time, that was absolutely a mind-boggling sum for heavyweights to get. Let alone for Lewis against Tony Tucker, who was seven yeah. years past his best. Sort what, of thing. What's the story? How did Bicoli get here? Because he's with Billy Nelson, isn't he? It's a funny old story, isn't it? Funny old yeah. partnership. But yeah. people have said the same about me and David Avenese, and it's funny how. You get together in it and meet these fighters. But, but you know what? Fair play to Billy, you it's, know what I mean? It's, it's great. But that's what's great about time. boxing. All these, you know, half the people you meet in the world, all the oddballs, you I mean, you wouldn't even meet. I remember Matthew Macklin said to me once, and it's stuck me ever since, when the world was created, all the lunatics were put in the boxing bin and oddballs. And yeah. I, I say oddballs in the nicest possible way, because one you touched on there, Bacoli and Billy Nelson, would never meet in any other world than boxing. Yeah, crazy, mate. Unreal. Um, yeah, um, round four. Carl, um, yeah. something you've touched on earlier about the emphasis on big-name amateurs when they go with promoters. Yeah. I just, um, I just feel now that there's too many of these so-called top amateurs getting all the big deals, getting with the big promoters, and obviously off the amateur pedigree, um, which, listen, there's a big difference, like I said, between amateur boxing and professional boxing, and more and more it's getting found out as we're going along. And uh, I just feel, for, like you say, some of these kids that's coming through now, um, the, these top 
these amateurs, um, top amateurs, I just don't feel that they're ever going to make it as a pro because the way they're getting trained in the amateurs and they're staying in the game too long with a GB setup and all that, it's a completely different style. You know what I mean? And like I said, the, the pro boxing is a man's game. They're not getting taught how to fight inside. They get There's a standing off, sort of like in and out on the toes. And when they get in the pro game now and now, after a bit, when they start stepping up in levels, they're going to get found out. And it's um, it's just not good, really. I mean, the, the, like I said, the, the promoters need to go around and look at some of these kids that are on these small old shows and, um, and really start picking a few of them out because... Like John touched on, you look at the, the, the bill on, on Saturday night and none of them kids was top amateurs. And look how well they're doing as a pro because the styles are, um, are completely different. And I just feel that um, it's just going to get worse and worse and these amateurs are going to get found out big time, these top amateurs, when they get into the into the trenches with these with these solid pros. John, so a question I want to ask Carl, but you go away first, John. Yeah, the, the, the other thing, they're not fighting regularly enough to get used to it. Like, Ben no. Whitaker's barely fought. I see Ben Whitaker was the one that jumped out. The one who has really been kept active, and I believe he trained in a pro style when he was an amateur, although he did well as an amateur, is Chef Clark. Chef Clark's yeah. fought eight times in 18 months. He's a great mm. inside fighter, and he's, he's really looking the business. Yeah. These guys disappear for six months, come and do an eight-rounder against a Polish mm. guy, get spoken about as if they're the next coming, and then vanish mm. again. And then they're going to get found out. Yeah, yeah so they are. Just... Because when they get into close quarters and they're just lost, they're just lost because they've never been taught how to fight inside. They've been on the GB that long, and kids have stayed amateur at the top level for such a long time. They're finding it hard to adapt and they're not getting trained properly and learned how to fight inside in, in the amateurs. So when they turn over, um, they're getting rushed because of obviously the, the, the pedigree and they want to move them quick. They're not having time to adapt to the pro style. And um, and this is what's what's happening. Um, and it is quite worrying, really, because if promoters are going to keep giving these top amateurs all the deals and all the opportunities... They're going to be wasting money, I can tell you now. They're going to be wasting money because I can't see many of them ever making it to the top as a pro. Yeah, Carl, one question. You mentioned there on how they're trained now. Because they're on so much money as the amateurs on the elite squad, not so much, they're on very good money. You know, you yeah. know they don't have a sponsored car. They're looked after very well. When you was on them squads, because I know you box at a good level, you was in the England team, weren't you, Carl? Yeah, I was in the England squad, yeah. Yeah, well, when you was on the England squad, was there... Not a reluctance. No, it's the total wrong word. Um, did was there in the trainers' minds? Was there a thought that some of these kids are going to go professionals? We got to help get them ready for that. Whereas now it's purely just about medals, yeah. getting on the podiums yeah. and these tournaments and getting funding. Was was there that element of the coaching then when you were? You on know the what? We, from what I can remember, and I was just a long time ago. We never got taught. We got taught how to fight inside, you know what I mean? We got taught how to, you know, we got we got trained like the pros do, really. We yeah, well, yeah, on my point. yeah, we want in and out on the toes. We want picking and poking, scoring points. And I can remember back in the day when I was a young lad, I used to really look forward to going to watch the ABA Midland Finals. When, when like, there was the Dean Piffy and lads like that, that was a little bit older than me, two or three years older than me. And I, 
Because you go and watch that, and you know what? Watching free freezer, the ABAs back then was like watching top level professional boxing. You know what I mean? You knew how to fight inside. You never the style was completely different in the amateurs back then from what it is now. And I think you can just tell the change in it, and I can you can just tell that it's just you just feel for these kids here. We don't feel for them because they're getting turned over on big dough. Um, but they're going to get found out, and um, and I'm hoping I'm going to be wrong what I'm saying. But I just don't think I am. I just don't think many of them's going to cut it and make it as a pro. Round five. Now we're flying tonight. Down to our last nine minutes or so. Um, yeah, round five. John, um, Ball versus Dog Bade weekend on the magnificent seven card. Yeah, what a fight. Nick Ball certainly. Hasn't been uh, trained in that amateur style, has he? God, he, Nick Ball gets stuck in right from it. Yeah. I spoke to Nick last week and he can't wait. He can't wait for it. He says, this is, he says, I've, I've, come, I've come this far. I'm not folding now. So there's no doubt whatsoever that Nick Ball is going to go straight at Dog Ball. And we've all seen Dog Ball. You might have had him in the gym, car when he was over here. Dog Ball's not going anywhere either, is he? Great fight. Absolutely yeah. brilliant fight. And another one, you know what I mean? Nick Ball, prime example, you know what yeah. I mean? Look how well he's doing as a pro. Um, wasn't It was a good amateur, obviously, but wasn't, you know what I mean, top draw, top level amateur, he was good. And um, look at him now, you know what I mean? He's got a proper pro style, and He's someone you, you want to look, you want to watch, you know what I mean? He's exciting, he can punch, knows how to fight. But this is a bit of a test for him, isn't it, with Dogby? So yeah. we'll see. It's a live fight. It's a very good fight. And there's some good boxing on Saturday night, you know what I mean? Right across all the, the cards. I mean, obviously, Sky's got a good bill. Frank Warren's got a good bill on BT Sport or TN, what's it called? TNT Sport. It's a, it's a fantastic night of boxing. Yeah, I um, I think I mentioned this on the pod the other week. When these sort of fights come up, when Frank Warren puts someone who might just be edging over the top, he seems to have this knack of getting it right, doesn't he? Yeah. Historically, of getting it right, yeah. the right fights, right time. He keeps uh, he keeps going, doesn't he, Frank? You can't write him off. Unbelievable. You know what I mean? He's been wrote off many times, but he's, he keeps going and he's coming back stronger than ever, to be honest with you. He's uh, signing plenty of kids up. He's very active, putting on shows. Um I think his undercards are a little bit mismatched. You know what I mean? I think I think that show on uh, was it Saturday night that Eddie put on on his own uh, that in Newcastle. Great card. You know what I mean? He, a lot of fifty fifties, a lot of a uh, couple of upsets, and that's what you want now. You know what I mean? You want you want you want competitive fights. You want to put bums on seats and. Um, you know what I mean? That's what you need to do. But I thought it was a good card on on Saturday that Eddie put on. Who wins ball and dog ball then? Ball. Because dog dog ball's there right till the end of every yeah. fight, is and he's been in yeah. with the top top names. So yeah, if ball gets rid of him, that's a statement. But it's a big, it's a big step up. It's a big. I think it's a massive step up from what he's been boxing at. Is it a fight too soon? I'm not too sure. You know what I mean? It's a big step up. Um, but obviously he's up and coming in. He uh, Nick Ball is fresh. He's live. Yeah. Dogba's been in some wars, you know what I mean? He might be coming to the end now and he might have got him at the right time. But um, interesting fight, very good fight and uh, definitely be tuning in for that. I just think that ball's a bit too fresh. Just that freshness. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's live and he is fresh. 
You know, I mean, he's hungry. Dogbers, like you say, he's had too many wars really coming to the end. Took a few shots in his last few fights. Um, but we'll see. Very good fight. Carl, if you were a trainer, if you were Dogbo's trainer, how do you get ready for Nick Ball? You know, because he's five foot three, is he? He's small. Yeah. That's in his Cuban so Hills five foot three. You can't get in a you can't get in a much lower weight guy because he won't have that dig and that physical strength. I know. He's Start a fighter to get used to, isn't it? Get I mean, you look, you look at you look at Nick Ball and you look at his style and in in his his height and his physique, and you just think you got to outbox him. But listen, he's very very strong, and it's easier said than done. Yeah. And Dog was not really a, a, a boxer as such, is he? You know what I mean? He likes to have a scrap as well. So I think they're just going to go both at it. I, I think do. it's going to be a time while it lasts. I can't see it going the distance, but um, yeah, it's a very good fight. Fair play to Frank for putting this on and uh, and giving Nick Ball such a test um, at this stage of his career. But it might be clever matchmaking or it might be a fight too soon for Nick Ball. We'll see. But um, definitely a live fight. All right. Thanks for that, Carl. Final round. Um, carried on the Magnificent Seven card because it's so, it's so good. Um, even though he says that Gazette solid card in Wolverhampton on Sky with European title fight with Adam Azim. It's the Magnificent Seven card on TNT, I think everyone's looking forward yeah. to. And any yeah. other fights on there you're looking forward to? I'm, I'm looking forward to Nathaniel Collins, Zach Miller. I fancy Collins to win this, but because you talk of someone taking a step up, Miller's taking a, yeah. an enormous leap up for, to this exactly, level. Yeah. It's, I reckon it's very good, that Nathaniel Collins. I do. I've been no, sulking him for a while. He's spiteful. He can punch. He's sharp. Um, Awkward. Yeah, he's awkward. I think it's um, a big task for uh, for Zach Miller. Listen, I'd like Zach to win. He's a lovely kid, but I think it might be um, a bit of a big, too big a step up for him at this stage. But another good fight, you know what I mean? What fight stands out? What fight stands out for you, John? You know, I I can't wait for Bentley and Heaney. But this, the one that an underrated lad. Liam Davis. Yeah, better and now, better. Liam Davis has accomplished so much in 14 fights. Britain, British, Commonwealth, European. He's very good. Best in Britain by a mile. He's a really good lad, Liam, as well, isn't he? He's, he's funny, yeah, he's ambitious. Yeah. I hope he does a right number on this Italian guy and, and then gets in the world mm. title mix. I, I don't think Liam gets a fraction of respect that he deserves. No. Yeah, he's very underrated. He's one of them fires. You know what he reminds him of? A bit of a Gavin McDonald, you know, not Gavin, but Jamie McDonald. Jamie. With a with a yeah, punch Jamie, never Jamie was a lot better than he looked. You know what I mean? He had some big wins. Never got the credit he deserved, but he, uh, he had some big wins, didn't he? You know what I mean? He was they've got similar styles as well. Both tall, both massive for the weight. I mean, he's a big kid for the weight, Liam is. Um yeah, he's a good, he's a good lad, and he's with Errol as well. And I always like to see Errol do well. He's a, he's a grafter. You know what I mean? He's been around forever. He's a, you know what I mean? He's, he's a good lad, Errol, and he deserves all the success he gets as well. I like Errol. Yeah, and Essamon Scarf, another one. Echo keeps, yeah, keeps beating everyone one. at British level. Yeah. We had, we had a jump. We had a bet last week, didn't we, Steve? I, I've t- I, forgive me the draw because I was the last one. And I said I'll take the draw. Essamon and Scarf could easy be a draw. Yeah. How would you yeah. pick that, Carl? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna favour Yeah. You know what I mean? I've been I've been in the gym. Uh, he's had a bit of a few rounds with Stanard, and um, he's got that bit between his teeth. 
Esmenaz, Echo as he's uh, he looks like he's um, he wants it badly. He knows it's a it's a big fight. He's got a lot to lose because he's knocking on the door now for a world title. You know what I mean? He's highly ranked. He's got a lot to lose. It's a local derby, Nottingham and derby. You know what I mean? Obviously the football rivalry. I mean, I, I know I know I, don't, I know Echo's not really a, a big football fan, but it's a it's a it's, it's a good fight. I mean. Scarf's very awkward. Um, he's a good fighter as well. Bit of a spoiler, bit of an awkward type of fighter. Um, and he's very big for the weight. I mean, I saw him at an amateur show the other week and how he makes well weight, I don't know. He's six foot odd, you know what I mean? He's a big lad. Um, but it's a good fight. Um, like you say, stack, stack bill and it's the good fights all across the board on, on Saturday night. Brilliant. Well, Carl... Thanks for joining us tonight. John, yeah. thanks as always. Uh, I'll speak to you in the week. John, Carl, I must probably speak to you. I don't know. I might not have to speak to you again tomorrow or anything. I don't know. I'll speak to you most yeah. days. Anyway, yeah. thanks very much, fellas. And thanks, everyone, for watching, listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.